And I've actually got a special guest with me today. It is just uh, myself and this guest. And it is our first female guest on the AM Spectrum, with which I'm sure that uh, a lot of our wahine out there are, are excited to um, to hear that there is going to be a female perspective on this AM Spectrum rather than being um, loaded with a whole lot of um, male perspectives and ideas and whakaaro. So, um, further ado, um, welcome to the show, Sean. Sean Munger. Thank you, thank you. Thank you for having me. Um, I feel privileged and a little bit, to be honest, a little bit nervous about holding that role that you've just placed on me there. That's uh, right. That's right. <laughs> but no, I'm super grateful for this opportunity to um, have a cordial with you and to um, yeah, have a conversation that hopefully can resonate with a few other people. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, so don't stuff this up because um, we'll get all the feedback. Thanks, <laughs> hey, you're re- you're re- my heart's beating out <laughs> my chest. You might be the only representative, female representative if you I might stuff kill this it up. for the future females. <laughs> that's right, that's right. That's it, last one on yeah. this podcast. <laughs> no, um, so um, I'm, I'm pretty, I've known Sean, now I was thinking about this before um, you came and we've been talking about you coming on the show is, uh, on the potty. The first time that I think I can remember is the CD Blacks. Oh my gosh, when, when I don't even remember Oh that. my goodness. You, no, sorry, you're off red, sorry to hear red, you. Red flag, red <laughs> flag, <laughs> get out of here. Please tell me the story and then maybe. No, the, the um, touch team. Oh. Remember Upper Bombay? Here's me thinking this is some gig that I went to. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I, I don't even know what that is. I don't know. No, this yes. was long before now you were allowed into gigs, Gil. This was long before you were <laughs> oh, allowed Although I gig. probably was still trying at that age. But yes, that's right. That was yeah. with all the cousins and um, up at Bombay at, at, at my home ground. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Th- those were fun times, actually. They were. We were pretty good. Did we win? Yeah, I think we did. We won mostly. We were also the only brown team there at the time. (laughs) (laughs) So if we didn't win, I mean. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. Hard. Yeah, we were representing there. Um, So that was the the first time I think that I sort of, we'd cross paths, I guess. How old were we then? I would have been probably 18, 19, just out of school, high school. Oh, so I would have been 8, 9. Oh, wow. (laughs) You look. You still look eight nine. No, no, no. I'll take that as a compliment. Thank you. <laughs> no, I think I would have been about fourteen around then, eh? Yeah, yeah. yeah. You're pretty fast. Still am. Oh, <laughs> quick witted. That's probably it. Hey, quick witted. Substituted the legs for the brain. There we go. There we go. A bit of confidence. <laughs> no, yeah, that was um, it was quite a while ago, but yeah, that was a pretty cool time, interesting time of life too. I think it's a lot, a lot's changed since then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think today, that's you know, we we'll, we we'll, um talk a lot more about your journey, um, about your life. So, um, hopefully, you're not too humble about um all the things that you have achieved yourself, um, and also maybe some of the challenges that that you've had to overcome. So, uh, again. Welcome and, and thank you very much for um for the time. Um and like I said, don't don't stuff it up. Don't <laughs> stuff it. Yeah, there's a lot of pressure, man. A lot <laughs> of pressure. I got sweat in my palms and <laughs> nah, looking forward to this combo. Cool. So um let's start off. Um I'll throw it to you. Maybe just uh, a little introduction about who you are, because I know who you are. Um but but the uh, the millions and millions of um listeners don't know who you are so speaking of humble um, 
Uh, yeah, so I'm Shamanga, um, born and bred in Puki, uh, Puki North to be specific. Um, although I did most of my schooling outside Puki North, I did grow up um, in Holland Street, um, which is pretty much the heart of Puki North yeah. and, and probably a, defines a lot of um, my upbringing, um, which I absolutely love, by the way, just throwing it out there. Yeah. Um, what am I doing at the moment? Um, I've spent a lot of my time uh, working with others and, and working in spaces of mental health and, um, yeah, trying to work specifically with um, our Māori people in, in times and spaces of vulnerability, I think. Um, and at the moment, I am currently doing my uh, PhD in psychology and clinical psychology, um, and that's a full-time job in itself. Yeah, um, yeah. I think though, but the biggest thing in my life is, is probably the fact that I'm a mama and um, I've got a beautiful little two and a half year old daughter and, and she kind of uh, defines how I live my life at the moment and, and how my time's spent. But um, yeah, I wouldn't have it any other way. Yeah, nice, nice. Man, you are, for someone who's a little bit nervous, you are just a natural behind the mic. I mics. feel like I'm shaking. I don't know why. Acing <laughs> it, acing it. Uh, um, cool, I, th- I think that's... Um, uh, there's a couple of things that come out of that for me is um, so you obviously let's go near the beginning of what you were saying is um, you worked a lot on mental health and, and sort of things like that how I, I guess we could start growing up but but let's just go there for now is like how did you find yourself sort of in that space where did you fall into it or that's where you naturally sort of were driven towards yeah it's a little bit of a um it was a journey for sure. It wasn't something that I think I knew at the top of my head growing up that it was something I wanted to do. Um, I think the fundamentals of being a mental health in terms of um, helping others and um, yeah, being a support person for other people was something that I always knew that I liked to do, but I didn't necessarily think of it as a career or wasn't aware that that was a possibility, that it could be a career. And so... Um, I grew up in all through my schooling, I was determined that I was going to be involved in sports or sports was my niche. And that was kind of the only class I ever went to at school was my PE <laughs> classes and my, my health classes. Um, but I think, yeah, that desire to help people came out through sports as well in terms of, you know, lifestyle and, and the endorphins that are released during, um, you know sports and all that and those kind of avenues is something that I've always really enjoyed and so I went to university um, in Dunedin when I finished high school um, and I actually went down there and I was enrolled in um, health science oh, yep. Yep. Um, with the intention to become a physiotherapist so still that helping kind of field um, but also sports related or heavily sports related well that's what I thought anyway um, I went to one chem class. It was my first ever class that I ever went to in Dunedin. And I walked in and I think the teacher was, well, the lecturer was talking for about five minutes and I was out. I walked out of the class. I went to the Māori support centre and I was like, I have no idea what this language is. It's foreign to me. I don't like it and I don't want to listen to it anymore. And I was like, I'm done with the university. And he's, he sat me down and he said, what are your interests? What do you, what do you like doing? And, and what's things that drive you in life? And so we ended up having a really long conversation about, you know, the things that I like doing and, and where I see myself. And he said, try this avenue. And he pointed out psychology to me. 
Um, he also suggested that I do Māori and Indigenous studies, and I don't know if that was his prerogative to get that across yeah. to Māori students or whether he genuinely saw that that was something that I could be interested in. Um, so, yeah, I ended up studying an undergraduate in psychology and Māori and Indigenous studies and did that in Dunedin, and that kind of... So was this straight out of school? <clears throat> yeah, it was. It was. So I ended up going to... Well, so I started my high schooling in Pukehai, um, and to be quite honest with you, I was terrible. I was, <laughs> it was not my finer years. Um, there's so many stories that you can come out of that. You excelled, in, <laughs> you excelled in social... I excelled social. in not going to school, <laughs> and I excelled in eating my lunch, and um, probably turning up to PE in fifth, the fifth period of school and then going home again. Um, well, let's, let's let's dive a little deeper into that because you know we're going to have a few listeners that were excelled at those sort of um, subjects at school as well. Um, oh, it was just. Um, what was it about school that uh, high school at that time? Um, it didn't. Yeah. To be honest, school to me, well, when I was at school, learning in general was just not something I. I don't think I wasn't interested in it, but I couldn't immerse myself in it I just um yeah it was it was one of those things where I I genuinely hated school at were that you, age were you like a average learner in terms of the standards were you above average were you below average what was sort of you know? I was always an average learner but I think I also learned over time that that's just a result of me not applying myself in those spaces yeah um because I've learned now a good 20 years later that when I do apply myself I can do really well um, but at that time I didn't have that motivation to engage in education I was too bothered with um, hanging out with my mates or you know it wasn't cool to go to class sometimes and so I wouldn't go to class and I would stay home and you know there's stories of me as a 14 year old drinking before school because I thought it was cool to hang out with my mates and drink at the fields and yep. not turn up to school for the day and just little things like that that I was I hated education little, little things like yeah. that <laughs> if my girls are sorry mum <laughs> if my girls are doing that at 40 watch out man oh I know like now that I think of it I think oh my gosh what was what was I doing but also I also think that those were massive defining moments and yeah. what have created the person I am today and and also just, you know, like um, some of those experiences, now the people I sit in rooms with in terms of, um, you know, the doctors that I sit alongside in my mahi now and just thinking about those little experiences, I think um, are the things that separate me from the rest of those people in that room. Just, yeah, I've had, I've had a lot more or different, not a lot more, so that's probably not the right word, but different exposures to life that um, a lot of those people necessarily haven't necessarily had so now i think it's an advantage yeah 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 yeah. yeah. um and just you know having the exposure to the resilience that um people in our community possess because of these types of situations that we experience um yeah sorry i've gone on a tangent now what was the question no 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 no, that um we were talking about sort of (laughs) school your school and your experience but you know i i'm i asked that because i guess i have my I look at the education system a little bit differently as well. Um, I'm probably a little bit similar, not as naughty as you. <laughs> I got away. I think I got away I with think it. I was just experienced, <laughs> not yeah. naughty. Uh, well, well, this is the other thing as well. Is it naughty or not? You know, like um, I've got a my my brother. Um, I've got a younger brother. I've got two younger brothers. He's 14 at the moment, um, and he's you know he's 
going through the whole COVID learning, learning from home mm. and all that sort of stuff. That's a way different experience to what we ever had. Um, and I, I remember saying to him, or I've said to him, and, um, bro, you know, like, what do you want out of school and things, things like that? Because I'm actually really curious. Um, school, I think, is socially, you know, like, um, socially, I think it's very important to be able to have those interactions, to have those experiences. Yeah, yeah. Because when you leave school, um, the world is a little, um, not, I don't know how to say it, explain it, but the world is um, very much based on people. As much as technology is, is, is taking over a lot of the processes and things like that, if you genuinely don't know how to talk to people, engage, share common interests, communicate properly, like, you, you are in a, at a disadvantage. Yeah. Um, I mean, being being smart is, or being, is can be an advantage as well. But I think when you leave school, as long as you know which levers to pull, you know, like be self-aware, what, what are you good at? Yeah. What do you need to work on maybe a little bit more? And who can help? Yeah. Who can help you? I think those things are extremely important too. And I sometimes wonder, like I, obviously I've been out of schooling systems for a while now, but, you know, how well... You know, I think those skills are fundamental, as you touched on, in life in general. But how well do schools actually prepare us for those opportunities? Or is that on our onus? Yeah. And sometimes, you know, we take paths because we are going to socialise. That's the environment that's there. But um, it's on us to set up those social situations. That's not part of the education system. Yeah. Um, and so sometimes those those trajectories that we choose in terms of our social situations aren't going to be the most positive for us. But there's no one there supporting those choices. It's more about, you know, this is your maths, this is your English, but yeah. here's your social situation. You yeah. figure it out on your own. And, and I think that's what, um, while I was at Pukki High, I had a lot of that is, here's my social situation. I'm not sure I'm entirely comfortable with it. And now I recognize that I wasn't really that comfortable in those spaces. But here I am, I'm navigating this space and it's impacting all these other areas as well in terms of education, in terms of me even wanting to be at school and the type of person that I'm kind of becoming. Yeah. Um, yeah, and so I think I was really grateful to have an opportunity to change schools. And not that I think schools uh, determine who you're going to be or, or what successes you're going to experience in life, because I think, you know, there's plenty of successful people that come out of Pukki High. Um, I just happen to be, not be one of those people that came from that, that particular area because of my social situation that I had set up in. Yeah. Um, and so I was actually going to leave school when I was 14 and go to or trained to be into the Navy when I was 15. Oh, yeah. And that is what I had told my mum. I was like, yeah, I'm leaving school. I hate it. I need to go do something. I don't want to be here. Um, I had a desire to learn, but just not in that space. Um, yeah. I had a desire to be better, but also not in that space. Um, so I was convinced on the Navy. And um, I actually went and did a little three-week stint with the Navy and, and lived on base and got to experience life oh, and yeah. um, what that was like. And mum said to me, I'm happy for you to do that. But I also want to propose to you this other idea. If we can get you into another school in the city, um, and she sold it to me by saying they excel at sports. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, if we can get you into that school, would you give them a shot? And um, she also said it to my sister too. So my sister was at Pukki High with me. Um, she, said, she also gave her the opportunity, and I said, yeah, why not? Um, and so then I changed schools. I went to Auckland Girls Grammar in the city, and... Uh, the biggest thing for me was that my social group changed. Like the people around me changed and the people I started to hang out with were people that were 
driven by education and it was a whole foreign world to me that school was cool like kids wore their back straps up at the school and, yeah. you know and pukki high you cut them off because they're hoha you don't want to you don't even want to touch them but there you know you get sent home if your back straps are down you get sent home if your hair's in a funny way like it was just um i mean it sounds a little bit militant when i put it like that but it was really that the people i started to hang out with held a lot of pride in education and, and the way they um, held themselves and, and you know their motivations to to be at school were because of the social situations yeah. and so um, yeah it was an environment that I found that I could really thrive in and, and don't get me wrong there were subjects that I still hated and still hate to this day but yeah. I really found my niche in terms of where I fit in, in education and managed to do really well and just um, yeah I think also just that opportunity and exposure that I had in that was really eye-opening for me in terms of what I had previously experienced at Pukki High and, and the yeah. opportunities and exposure that I'd had in that um, environment. And um, for me, it was in my head, I was already at that point thinking about how I could help people, how I could expose, you know, my whānau back in Pukki to these opportunities and things that actually exist in life. And, yeah. Um, yeah, and I think that's definitely had an influence on my younger siblings in terms of their schooling and and. Um, having you know my my younger sister now goes to Epsom and a big part of that was sharing those kind of opportunities with my mum and obviously she saw a change in who I was and I was no longer drinking before school and and staying home during the day I was actually ready to go to school at five o'clock in the morning coming home at 7 p.m at night after training and loving it yeah um so yeah yeah that's um I guess when you're talking about um um, I guess you you were exposed to a different sort of um, environment um, and standard. I guess when having having moved school, um, I think about sort of cultures, um, a culture. So not not talking about race or anything like that, but just like culture, its beliefs, you know, the belief system, perceptions, and expectations, attitudes, yeah. and things like that. Eh? And so what I hear from you is saying. Um, you saying like what the back straps like it was just an expectation like the belief was that we wear our uniform properly yeah and like um, because I, I'd, I'd done a similar thing so I was at Pukki High for four years and then ended up at Auckland Grammar oh. in my last year so I played um, I didn't realise that yeah 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 yeah. Oh. so um, and we had these man did I mean, you have you, a similar you, experience in terms of like <clears throat> opportunities and, and views on yeah, abs- absolutely, absolutely. Because um, you did quite well at Pookie though too, didn't you? Oh uh, well, I started off like in in a, in a um, what do they call it now? Like an upper stream class, like accelerant an class. Accelerant yeah, class, so yeah. I was like in an accelerant class. Oh, you're in, smart. In year nine, <laughs> but but see, and and this was more because I'm competitive more than anything. Like it's when I went to St. Joe's, like I just I wanted to be in the Mathex team. I wanted to be in anything that was like competitive. So. All the sports teams, I, it was just a nature. And me, yeah. I hated, like, I don't, it wasn't the fact of winning or losing. Like, winning or losing was great, but it was just competitiveness. Like, yeah. I remember in maths, like, in year five and six, like, I'd be in my head competing with these other girls that were in my class. So, like, you know, the teacher would stand two people up and then be, like, four times five. And, you know, if you yeah. lose, you sit down and you go around the world. And, you know, so that was the parts that excited me. Yeah. When I got to high school, um, that slowly diminished, you mm-hmm. know, like, and because I got, I got, I got through 
St. Joseph's without with doing minimal sort of homework sort of things, you know? Yeah. And that, that habit can, you know, continued into high school. So as I entered year nine, I was quite high, and then, you know, um, you know, 15, 16, going out on the weekends, um, getting on the piss, um, playing playing footy, you know, like sport just yeah. was always going to take over. Um, not necessarily relationships for me at that time, but, um, yeah, so... I've, I've shared similar experience in, in that regard. Yeah. So by the time I got to sixth form, I wasn't achieving. I've, I didn't achieve level one, um, NCA. Um, or might have been level two. Yeah, so, but in my application to Auckland Grammar, I sent through my year nine reports, which is like... The good ones. The good ones. <laughs> so I ended up, they, 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 at Auckland Grammar, they have, I don't know what about if it's the same at Eggs, but they do Cambridge as well as NCA. So Cambridge is like... Not when I was there, they didn't. Yeah, so Cambridge is like the big... They have the big test. It's yeah, like yeah. the old school way of marking, I guess. Um, and apparently the level's a little bit higher than NCA. Yeah. But um, I was putting the, the top in the A-stream class. For, for because simple, of your year because nine of my year nine, But I was actually sort of more Nailed like it. down by the... Yeah, I was more down by the G and H classes, you know, so... But that's uh, smart mm-hmm. in itself, you see. Like, you know... Yeah. You're not going to submit the other ones. You give them the good yeah. ones. That's clever too. And and turns out, like, again, it's similar to what you're saying. Like, having been in those accelerant classes in seventh form, I was exposed to, in my stream, class stream, like, people that were smarter than me. Yeah. You know, and, and I wasn't thinking about that at the time, but I can reflect now as an adult, you know, and, and have having lived a, bit, a little bit of life, <laughs> <laughs> um, that, that their environment, has a big can have an impact yeah. big impact on um on sort of the directions and choices you make eh? yeah and we and we know that too we know that you know your brain when it's still developing during high school is so malleable to to the outside environmental impacts and i mean you could go from the other end and look at children who have experienced you know the worst of the worst and it's gonna um it change their brain to function in a way that's reflective of those experiences so when we're when we're going through high school and we have these great social experiences our brain's going to adapt to it and you know we're going to thrive off that opportunity especially having experienced the other end of that already yeah yeah i think um i don't know we're spending a bit of time on the schooling part but i'm just interested naturally interested what do you think about like um so obviously in the schooling system we have standards like education standards that that we need to meet and things like that. But what are the standards? If 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 you were the the minister of education, or, or you know, um, are there any other standards that you you would put in there? Um, for example, for example, like, um, and I've always said this to Jade, my partner, um, about our girls. So before they reach school, like new entrants, year one at school, like I'm not really too concerned about whether they know how to do their ABCs yet or one, two, three, or, or, you know, like lots of those things. It's, um, again, it's more being able to identify, like just see them interact with other people. Yeah. Uh, I, th- I find that really important. Yeah. Um, like, so a lot of it is play. And I know that the um, education system is set up around that sort of part. Um, where am I going with this? But I, I guess as at high school, I just want my girls to be able to know where to find the information yeah, um, and what tools they, they've actually got that they can use and refine those. Yeah, I think um, 
I mean, again, I don't know what the current existing education system looks like exactly in schools, but from my experience and what I remember is that for me, I feel like it really let me down because I didn't meet a certain standard. And that yeah. was all about um, intelligence in terms of how a Western world defines intelligence. And, and I didn't fit that space and a lot of my friends didn't fit that space. And so we go and find other avenues to explore our own intelligence and that's um, you know, for me, I'm like, who has the right to define what intelligence actually is? How can you test intelligence? Because for some people, survival is being intelligent. Um, yeah. For other people, maybe writing a book is intelligent. But um, yeah, for me, the education system didn't really set me up to explore those different areas um, that you could excel in. Yeah. Instead, it's these are the areas we have for you. You need to excel in these spaces. Um, I would love for my daughter to go to a school where they teach, teach emotional intelligence, where they teach how to talk to other people, where they teach you how to, um, you know, read a room, how to be observant around other people and, and to pick up on emotional expressions and stuff like that. You know, those are things I'd love to see in our education system that, well, as far as I'm aware, are non-existent, yeah. but are so beneficial to you know, later life in terms of, I mean, you touched on it earlier in terms of getting employment, in terms of um, building relationships, stability in relationships, all those kind of things, communication, you know, like, yeah, yeah. that's that's where I want to see. But I, I think I'm probably also biased because that's the nature of what <laughs> I do. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I just see how important it is. And, and a lot of people who do come to therapy later in life haven't built those foundations or, or don't have self-awareness or don't have... Um, self-empowerment or the ability to empower themselves and so i'm like well why aren't we teaching them yeah. like you know why why does it take someone to pay 150 to 250 dollars to learn how to do this when we have a whole education system set up for 15 years that could be able to teach them these things yeah yeah and that, that's um i think when when you um and, and and i'm not trying to sort of say the education system is shit i, I obviously there's, there's some basics like and um, like literacy and, and things like that. Absolutely, I'm I'm a big advocate for that. But now on this, we have information at the tip of our fingers. I mean, we hear it a lot now. You know, like information is we can access information so easily now. Now it's around. You know, I have this conversation with AJ. Is it's around like filtering, trying to figure out where the actual truth is and in, in the information yeah. that you have. You know what I mean? And yeah. and um. Um, and that's, I guess, for me, having gone to university, that's, sometimes I've thought about, you know, my, my degree, I did Bachelor in Sport and Rec, and I thought, man, that, like, when I was around 23, 22, 24, I was like, this degree was pointless, like, every else, you know, there's people in this industry that are getting it, and they didn't have, they didn't have to go get a huge student loan and things like that. Yeah. But I, one of the parts of it is, you learn at university to f to um, reliable sources, you know, like to actually critically think. Yeah. And I know they say they used to say that at high school, but it, that went way over my head at the time. <laughs> and probably at university it did too, you know, like, um, but critical thinking. Yeah. Reflecting on things. Um, yeah. I think um, just touching on what you're saying about why did I do that degree, that's another area I think for education <clears throat> in terms of improvement is, is really um, – using a, a child's natural talents to 
then go and teach them about how this can further them because I think you know for school you, you're looking forward to year 13 and then you're thrown out into this big wide world and so so many people go off and do like I was enrolled in health science yeah. <laughs> I was never going to be a scientist in that <laughs> realm you're like you know but you just don't know you're not prepared for those things and I think that's another thing that they could well I mean maybe they are again I'm, I'm pretty naive to the education system at this stage but it's just something that I found was really difficult as well. I was going into this big wide world as an independent learner yeah. um, and immersing yourself in something that you know nothing about yeah. and then having to figure out the expensive way that this is not something I want to do. Yeah, and that's um, like with gap years, I used to think, why, why are you, like, what's the point in a gap year? But, you know, like, oh, I, I get it now. You know, yeah. like, I get it because, and I, I went to university because I, I was going to be an all-black anyway. So, you know, university was sort of just like, oh, yeah, I'll do this while I'm... You and all my uncles. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I'll just I'll just enroll in this. I actually wanted to do communications Ooh. at AET. Yeah. Um, but I left it way too late in enrolling while I was at high school and missed the cutoff date. And so, Sport and Rec was the, was the one I took, but... Um, I just, yeah, I, I understand gap years even now because it's it's about living life. And, you know, yeah, probably absolutely. did you ever feel like when you were 18, 19, like, man, like I need to sort out my life. Like people know what they're doing and I'm. Yeah, I did. But I also, <clears throat> now I reflect on that time in my life, I definitely didn't have the emotional maturity to be doing something like that and, and trying to set my life in stone and yeah. and I think it, that's not true for everyone like I, I definitely know people that went through uni at that age and just successfully successfully living out their life in that specific field um but for me I just yeah I wasn't there I was I was worried about anything and everything else <laughs> other than other than the ten thousand degree dollar degree that I was currently paying for but um yeah, I definitely, definitely had a lot of those experiences at that age. I didn't, I was not sure where I was going. And I think now um, is probably the time in my life where I've been most sure. Yeah. And I'm actually like, wow, why didn't I wait till this time at the start? Like, yeah. <laughs> I've wasted a whole lot of money on, well, not necessarily wasted. Um, you know, there was experiences that came out of it regardless. But that's but. the thought at the time, man. And, and I, I've fully have walked that path of thinking as well. I was like looking at other, like some of my mates who were tradies, you know, like, mm. and they, you know, like, let's go back to, like thinking back to high school in terms of, you know, like uh, a class system, you know, I was a lot smarter than what they were, but they left school early, you know, and then they went into the trades and, you know, started getting a bit more money and then people we started getting into houses and, and man I fully like and this is part of my, my story in the AM spectrum is like that got to me you mm. know what I mean like I wasn't I didn't make it professionally as a 40 player um, whereas that was my, my, my end goal was that imagine working like 15 years oh the neighbours on the bike but you know and not being able to, not to actually attain it yeah it's quite shattering and, it, and it's only through reflection now and through the journey that I've gone through um, it's quite tough but so comparing I guess is what I was trying to sort of relate to there like I got through a moment um I went through a part of my 20s where I had my own perceit you know like my own pressures on my shoulders because I thought I was looking at other people going oh man they're doing the traveling thing and I've I've got debt you know like I've got this 25 grand uh $25,000 debt and I'm not even really using it you know and I'm starting at the bottom people are buying houses over here yeah 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 so um I don't know if that ever went through through your thinking. Um, um, a little bit. 
little bit. It probably more so popped up when I thought about going back to university after having worked for so long. Yeah. It was like, do I really want to start again? Am I really going to, you know, put my daughter through, you know, the next five years of mum not actually being full-time employed? You know, is that something I really want to do? And if I look around me, like you said, you know, my friends are buying houses, my friends are you know, successful in their businesses, is this something that I want to do right now? Or should I just continue doing what I'm doing? Because, you know, I'm getting a decent wage. Yeah. Um, you know, I might be able to buy a house in the next five years. Um, but I think also around that time was like a, a massive step for me in terms of self-development and self-awareness. And, and for me, I, I learned to stop those comparisons and, yeah. you know, experience my and it took a long time, and I'm talking like in the, the last two, three years, yeah. um, you know, to be able to experience my friends' successes with them and not compare myself to them and, and, you know, focus on my own journey and what I'm doing and what's important to me in my life. And, um, yeah, it's it's hard, man. It's hard to get to that point where you can actually look at situations like that because, like I said, when you're young and your brain's developing, you're, you're so reliant on your society around you for what's normal or yep. what constructs normal or which area do I fit into and where do I belong to and all those kind of things are constantly going through your head and it's so normal. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I think for me that's kind of where I hit maturity is when I started to get out of, you know, society's constructs of what's normal and create my own path for myself and what, what fulfills my own needs and desires in yeah. terms of where I want to be. Is that and um like when you talk about that, are you um my question is something around identity. Like does identity become a big part of that reflection, like that moment in time or not quite yet? Yeah, I think so. <clears throat> um I think to be honest though, I think I've been on this self discovery journey my entire life. Um, it's just that, you know, once you start actually looking into self-reflection or identity, you, you kind of don't really um, discover those defining points until you're really thinking about it, which hasn't been until, you know, the last few years. Um, but yeah, identity was also a massive thing for me. And I think going through high school as well, you know, growing up in Pukki, you know you're Māori, you know you're in Pukki North, and so that's <laughs> defining you anyway, and that's yeah. part of who you are and your identity. But um, in terms of my... Just, just on that, sorry, um, like for, for some people that may not know, sort of like we, we know it, but for some of our listeners, you want to sort of just touch on what, what the definition <laughs> of that might look like, for example? Um, from the outside, I would say that people probably look at that area as being rough. Like that's a that's a that's probably the easiest way to define it, that people look at it and think it's an area populated by, you know, drugs, alcohol, gangs, um, and Māori. That's, yeah. that's an outside perspective. Um, from the inside, I would say it's an area that builds resilience. Um, it defines you, it really does, in terms of your connections to people around you, you know. Um, everyone on the street with me growing up was your whānau. Yep. That, is, that is part of being within that area. And and so it builds that sense of tanga and you relate quite strongly to people in the area. And, and yes, there are um, probably areas that are dominated by gangs. and um, But you, you don't... It's just my kid in the background. I have a scream of it. We're working from home, guys. Yeah, we're we're flexible from... and adaptable <laughs> to the environment. We are resilient. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> what was I saying? Um, you're sort of going through um, 
the values, I guess, and, and beliefs and, and some of the characteristics uh, of, of yeah, coming yeah. from Pukki North. Um, and, and for me, a lot of my upbringing, that defined my belonging and where I belong and, and my sense of belonging. Um, but also, I went to school outside of that area. So I didn't, um, although I hung out with, you know, the people on my streets after school, I didn't really have that close connections. And so I kind of found myself in like um, like an outsider within that area if you know what I mean because I I, you know and I definitely had privileges growing up as well and I I, you know always try to recognize my privilege of being in that space and um you know had a mum that was really determined and really hard working and um you know always had a job my grandparents always had a job and um you know their income was always spent really well and so I learned the values of money through these people as well so um I was privileged in terms of you know, I, I grew up in this um, this space where outsiders look as being troubled. But for me, that was a really, um, oh, I don't know the, the right word, a, a really grounding experience and part of who I am as a person and my identity. Um, but also I recognize my privilege within that space as well. And, um, you know, you see your friends down the road who don't have that kind of, um, you know, money coming in or yeah. or security over their head or, or food on the tables. And, and so... For me and my whanau, that was a lot of what we brought to that neighbourhood was my my papa was a, a fisher and a hunter and, and so he would feed the, you know, a lot of people. Um, and so that's how we built out our, our, like, connections within the area as well. Um, I've gone on a tangent now. So. No, the, and <laughs> I, I just wanted to add that, like, um, yeah, depending on what lens you're looking at any community, it's... it's um, that can that can sway you or give you bias one way or the other. Where I'm, I'm to share in your sense, sort of sentiment around that is, um, yeah. Obviously, I I grew up on Wesley Street, so on the main street, which is you know like um, on the right side, I guess, or, or right or wide. I, I when when they used to tell me when I was little, I, I didn't really get it. Yeah. <laughs> and then there was the dark side, obviously, for North. But it's quite interesting. And now in our generation, I feel like we never really. Maybe this was me just overlooking the privileges, but we never looked at any sort of like class difference or or things like that. I guess probably humor. We used humor a lot, which is mm. probably very um, through my mind. I've sort of learnt is something like it can be a coping mechanism or a way that we we share that story. Yeah, like yeah. we joke a lot about. Like um, I guess being horries and things like yeah, that, yeah. which what you find, you know, if you scratch the history on that, it's actually not a, it's not a really cool thing. It was not meant to be a cool thing to be called a horry, you know. Whereas now we sort of take the piss of it and like, yeah. you know, call each other horries and things like that. I don't know. I'm going on a tangent too, but <laughs> what I'm what, I, what I'm trying to say is like, whatever sort of um, community people grow up in, there's always a belief system, and it's generally the same. Like there's always loyalty. Yeah, yeah. There's loyalty in some way, um, trust and respect in a, in whatever society you grow up in, eh? Yeah, that's, that's and I think that um, also, like, those communities will define how you look. So I think from, oh, correct me if I'm wrong, like, your perspective, you would have had friends inside that community. And so, you you know, you hear the realities of it's not actually that bad, but those people that don't have those connections inside those communities, all they hear is what they see on the news. And what you hear on the news is terrible. Yeah. Or all you hear is what you see on the Franklin grapevine. And all that's going to be terrible. It's just, 
um, yeah, I guess. Well, I, I grew up, obviously, when I went to St. Joseph's, so, you know, like when I was at school, there was only like a handful of us <laughs> who who were Māori, and, and it's only sort of the last three, four, since I've had kids, since I've had kids where I've really yearned to find out more and um, around sort of being Māori and what that looks like. Because I, like you said, like, I did have a definition in my mind of what being Māori was for me, but I was always sort of really fucking or shy to sort of share that with other people because, you know, like, I didn't know, I don't know how to speak Māori. Um, you know, when I go into a marae, I get nervous because I feel like I should know, mm. but I don't know, like yeah. around the tikanga and that. I'm learning, you know. Um, I feel that there's an expectation that if you are Māori, you should know, like, the haka and um, whaikōrero and all that sort of thing. And, and I still, to this day, feel, like, um, shy to sort of yeah. put my hand up for things because, I, yeah, I don't know if I'm doing it justice and things like that. So, whereas... Um, Again, I don't know where I'm going with that right now. <laughs> I, I get what you but, mean, like in terms of identity. And identity, yeah, yeah, who yeah. Hundred percent. Um, yeah, I think I've, you know, we've grown up in similar areas, and so our experiences are really similar too. In terms of, I didn't grow up, um, you know, being surrounded by or immersed in Tao Māori, and, and it was something that, for me, I've always wanted because of you know that sense of she looks Māori, so yeah. she should know what to do in these spaces or she should know how to do this. Or, you know, if your auntie comes up to you and starts speaking Māori and you don't know how to respond, it's a, yeah. it's, there's an internal shame you feel That's yeah. when you have this, you know, outward Māori perception, yeah. but you can't actually, you know, tap into that as a person. And I think that's that's like a one of the biggest challenges for my own identity that I've faced in life is um, who am I? Um, how do I connect to my Māori tanga? Yeah. Um, but how do I yeah, jump over this hurdle of embarrassment or how do I immerse myself in these spaces when I feel this internal shame um, because I don't know? Um, and I think when I went to Otago Uni, it was kind of a safe space for me to explore that because I was the only brown person down there. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, there was 10 of us. <laughs> 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 but you know, so when when you one of ten, the odds that you know three other people can't speak Maori but they're also brown are quite high, and so that was kind of my space where I started exploring who I was as a Maori, and um, I had exposure to it through AGS. You know, there was there's the Maori unit at AGS, and yeah. a lot of my friends were in there, and I wanted that, but I was yeah, like you said, too fucking mad to go and put myself out, out there or, or you know challenge my internal identity in a public setting or public forum where the expectation is you should already know. Yeah. And um, in, internally, like, it, it actually got me, you know, like, it, it did get me. Yeah. Um, and that's only on reflecting on, on hindsight. You yeah. know, at the time, I don't know, I'm, I'm not articulating it this way, I don't think about it this way, you know, like, maybe like you said earlier in the potty, like, because my, my mind is still um, not developed that maturity yeah, yeah. Emotionally and... and You're trying to fit into spaces, so... Yeah, you know, yeah. You don't fit into that space because you don't call it on Māori or, you know, and so it's for your brain, you're like, what am I doing? That's not my space. You know, I don't fit into that norm and it's going to take a lot of hard work for me to be able to fit there, so I'll go somewhere else and yeah, do this. Yeah, whereas, you know, like, um, 
like just some of the things like I uh, like picking out off the top of my brain like you did sitting on pillows and things like that. so like you, you you still did feel that connection like yeah and like I remember being at St. Joe's and you'll say oh yeah that's my cousin and they're like oh I didn't How? think your uncle yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I, does you is that your you know is that your first cousin or your second cousin and I'm like uh, I don't know but that, yeah, I just know yeah. that's my cousin well that's my auntie and they're like oh I thought your mum only had two you know yeah um, and so there's a sense a of pride sister. there eh? yeah, like, yeah. yeah that's my cousin yeah. yeah you know we're both Maori that's my cousin <laughs> but there's a sense of pride and so you know that the, the the need or the want to belong within that space is in you yeah it's just a matter of taking it that step further but I think for me um yeah again we're so old and mature now I feel like we keep saying we're mature um <laughs> For me, it was realizing that, you know, the impacts of colonization has done this to us. Yeah. Um, and that it's no fault of our own. It's no fault of our parents or our grandparents. The fact that, you know, that their culture was stripped from them physically um, and punished out of them. And we're a result of that. So for me, it was like understanding that, um, which took away a bit of the embarrassment, you know. Instead, I felt... A little bit of responsibility to bring that back to these spaces and so my mindset changed a little bit um, once I discovered this you know and really learned um, you know like my papa's too doesn't want to talk about his upbringing or his connection to his Māori tangi doesn't even want to mention it to me or, yeah um, and so for me now I'm starting to feel as if it's my duty to not only bring this back into my whānau, but to create this space where my daughter doesn't experience what we've experienced in terms of yes. being embarrassed about who she is or um, not knowing where she is. And so, yeah, this this has been like a... I mean, it will forever be a journey. I'll never get to the point where I think I'm satisfied with where yeah. I am. Um, but it definitely was the beginning of my journey, realising that actually I may have felt embarrassed but that was forced upon me and my whānau from people outside of me. Yeah. So now I, I feel responsibility and my responsibilities to give back yeah, yeah. and to learn more about who I am. And yeah, so my identity over the last few years has also been strengthened a lot. Yeah. Um, and that's also, you know, in terms of my mahi has strengthened my desire to help my communities as well. Yeah. Um, just because I am growing this, you know, connection and awareness of all these other outside things that are impacting us and causing us to yeah go down all these paths yeah yeah and, and, and can I just sort of say as well like my personal feeling and belief and, and you might share it as well is like when we talk about um, sort of past events environments and things like that I'm not sitting here saying you know like people are wrong or looking for someone to blame eh? for, for me it's like Okay, I understand that. That mm. gives me a better understanding and more empathy now on how I can help people navigate forward, you know? You know what yeah. I mean? It's not about... Um, it's about looking back and, and learning, um, but it's not actually... And the reason why I say this is because I have had conversations, which is cool, with, with um, whānau of my own who, who are like, uh, you know, that that's that's something that happened years ago, you know, while we're still talking about it. Um, and... I, I understand that too because quite often when we start talking about, you know, what happened back then, you know, all the hard work that other people have done to get to where they are right now, 
they might feel like they're being attacked. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Because of privilege. Yeah. I guess, as an example. And that was one direct conversation that I've had with whānau as well. It was like, is around privileges and things like that. Yeah. Um, I sit here saying, yeah, 100%, you know, like, I'm not diminishing anyone's um, yeah. hard work or anything like that. I, I actually believe, like, if you've got privilege, absolutely use yeah, it, you yeah. know, like, would you, do you agree? And I'm happy for you to disagree, I don't know. Yeah, no, nah, I, I do, I think, like, it, yeah, like you say, um, I'm also a person that's extremely understanding of individual perspectives because, you know, everyone's developed their individual perspectives from something, you know, like, yeah, yeah. Um, our environment, our experiences, our challenges, our privileges have all informed how we perceive those conversations. And so, of course, everyone's going to have a different opinion on them. You know, everyone's going to have different experiences around those big topics. And um, I think, you know, like, while it is, you know, it should be a safe space to have conversations around, you do, I do get why people have formed these strong opinions and, and, I think part of my mahi is just more about understanding those the formations of how they've got to there instead of looking at it from the outside and being like, you know, it's not a space to attack. It's not, um, yeah, I don't yeah. know what I'm trying to say here. Sorry. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, it's, I, I think, around um, empathy has always been a big sort of word for me when I understood it. And what it actually looked like. So there's, yeah. you know, like sometimes you can be given a meaning and, and you look at it and it's like empathy. It's around, you know, trying to understand other people's perspectives and things like that. But it, it's going from the theory part of it to actually what does that look like out in our community? What does that look like in my own life? You know, like um, what 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 um, what people are showing empathy to me and how do I show it to them? It can look a lot different. Yeah. And, and again, um, um I think it's uh, patience as well <laughs> around those <laughs> sort of really conversations. <laughs> around those conversations, and that's why it's. Um, I don't know. I, I enjoy talking talking to you about around your thoughts on that. I I wanted to um, sort of segue. I think it's a good way to segue. We've talked a lot about your mahi, um, and we've just been talking about identity um, and sort of maybe the impacts or how it's formed your why. Yeah. Um, who you are and what you're about. Let's talk about your mahi and your your career, you know, like your journey. So so you've um, been at university down in Otago. Um, you were in health science and you went to the first one and you were like, red flag, yeah, <laughs> I'm, yeah. out of there. I'm out of there. So um, what, what did you do then? I know you mentioned um, yeah, man, that was, I still laugh at it. I did that. It's so funny. Um, yeah, so I finished my undergraduate. I did a Bachelor of Psychology and Māori and Indigenous Studies. Um, graduated when I was 20, so I was still young, yeah. you know, still, still a lot of experience to gain. Only just in the starters block, man. Yeah, pretty much. Still naive. <laughs> Actually, I'm still naive. <laughs> um, uh, I managed to get a graduate job um, in central Otago. So I went and spent some time working with um, kids aged 5 to 12, um, doing some therapeutic, therapeutic care and education. And, and yeah, that was a massive, um, massive experience for me. But also I, I developed so much as a practitioner within that space, which is cool. Um, the only thing for me, it wasn't serving my community. Yeah. Um, and I always knew I wanted to be home and giving back to my own community. Um, so I was there for 
just shy of four years, I think, before I got a job up in uh, Papakura, um, working with corrections. Um, my intention with, with going into corrections was, again, I was going to be, well, in my head, I was fulfilling a space of helping my communities, my vulnerable communities, and, and giving back to that space. But also, um, sometimes I think it's nice for our communities or people who are going through those systems to walk into a space and see a familiar face. Yeah. And so I, in my head, I was breaking those barriers. And in some ways, I feel like I had the opportunities to do that. Um, but I also learned a lot in terms of where I wanted to be professionally within that space. So I also um, got experiences of working in courts and prisons and um, returning offenders. So d- deportees from Aussie, I got some time to work with them. And um, I think while I was able to be there and try and support my community in some ways, in other ways, I felt like I was hindering them. Yeah. Um, and I was working within this system that was hurting my people and 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 for me that was like a wow where do I go from here um you know I I could work my way up to the top and I could potentially try and influence um legislation or or work that way and then um I found myself in spaces where I was working with um higher risk people or court systems and and um spent a lot of time with psychologists in that space and trying to understand some behaviors and and I think one of the defining moments for me of when I was like actually this is not where I want to be was I was working in courts and um, there was a report that was done so sometimes when people come to court they might have to have a mental health report done on on their presenting um, selves and and whether there are any issues that need to be taken into consideration Um, and there was a Maori man that was standing in the dock and he was speaking to his tupuna. So he was outwardly speaking to his tupuna. Um, and the assessment came back and basically said he's delusional um, and that he was having experiences similar to symptoms of psychosis, which is a, um, a wow. mental health diagnosis. And for me, that was a really, um, it was quite emotional, to be honest. Like yeah. for me, I felt this poor man's being misunderstood within a system that could potentially or will change his trajectory of his life. Um, And in that moment, I thought, I'm not doing enough in this space. I need to be somewhere else where I actually can be influential and and change the perspective of health within these systems. Yeah. Um, And so I, I took some time off and you know, this was in the back of my head and I wanted to do more, but I was like, oh, is it realistic? You know, I've got an income now. I don't yeah. want to go back to being a broke student and um, living on rice and sweet chili sauce for the rest <laughs> of my life. Um, so I just I just sat it out and it, although it was in the back of my head, you know, I kept doing what I was doing and I took some time off. I did some travel and um, spent a bit of time overseas, came back, had my baby, um, short story short I got pregnant when I came back (laughs) um had my baby and and during that time I was able to give myself the space to reflect on where I want to go next and um I kind of just dived in the deep end I said this is my time you know I'm not working at the moment I'm at home looking after baby and um I'm gonna go back to uni and I'm gonna chase down that path and I'm gonna I'm gonna try and influence that space and hopefully bring a different perspective to these spaces that are yeah. so influential in other people's lives. So 
yeah, enrolled in university again. Um, I had to complete like a postgraduate bridging year because my grades was shocking. Oh. <laughs> I definitely was the C's get degrees type of girl. I never failed, but I never oh. got a higher than a C. So, <laughs> You definitely indulged in the social aspect oh, of Otago mate. University. I can't remember well. half of the time down there. I think I spent a lot of the time. Um, yeah, that's a different story. Did you, ever, did you ever get people like when you're out and about down there and you're like, oh, you know, what are you studying? Psychology. Did they ever turn around and be like, oh, so what am I thinking now? Oh, this, <laughs> this is every time I say what I do, people are like, can you read my mind? Can you read my mind? What's going on in my brain? I'm like, I don't know. Like, honestly, I have no idea. And I could sit down with you for three hours and I pro- probably still have a slight idea. But yeah, that, that's the first thing people say to me when I tell them what I'm doing. They're like, oh, can you read my mind? What am I thinking? Yeah. Oh, I don't know. Figure out all my problems right now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, quite often though, like recently I'll tell people what I'm doing and then they'll just burst into tears around me and they'll start telling me their life and I'm like, man, I kind of need to come up with like a different narrative <laughs> yeah. of what I do because I'm at the gym. I don't want to like, sorry, yeah. <laughs> sorry, yeah. love, but like, I want to, I want to work out right now. I don't really want to hear about your life story, yeah. sorry. Um, but no, it is like a, yeah, people, you know, you get quite a few different reactions to, to me admitting what I do. Um, but yeah, so I went back to uni, I did that course. I uh, managed to get into an honours year, so I did really well when I applied myself, and I'd learned to apply myself 10, 15 years later. Yeah, um, yeah did a postgraduate honours, which included doing a bit of research, um, submitted my first uh, postgraduate research article, not an article, sorry, it was a research report, um, and then went through the process of trying to gain admission into doing my doctorate. Um, at the end of last year was successful and have been spending the last uh, just over a month now um, immersed in this new this new journey yeah cool cool um go back just a little bit um when so you've you've had this defining moment in court um and then you go traveling and things like that and you're trying you you sort of you talked about you're trying to figure out where where you go with um with what you're thinking What's what? Who are you asking? Who are you leaning on? What sort of support networks uh, do you have at that time? Are you using any? Uh, like, big question, I know, but pretty much saying, did you navigate that by yourself? Yeah, um, a lot of it I did. A yeah. lot of it I did. I think um, within my workspace, I felt like you know there, there definitely were people who would understand my frustration, but there were definitely people that were like that's just the way the system is, you know, that is what it is kind of mentality. And so um, I definitely, you know, I really respect a lot of the people I work with, but it wasn't necessarily something I reflected on within that space. Um, So a lot of it I did, you know, sit on myself and think about myself. Um, But I also have um, some really good friends um, who, you know, had already started this, self-discovery journey I guess if you want to call it and um that I was able to share these kind of things with and these um ideas with and where I was sitting and um I started speaking out about my desire to want to go back to university and the people who I was really close with were really supportive of that um but I definitely had people that were like you're crazy like you've just had a baby there's no way you can do that. But I think I'm a little bit like you and I'm I'm competitive. Yeah. Um 
And although I think I, um, you know, the desire was already there, the foundations were laid for me to go out. The people who said I couldn't were the people who pushed me to do it. Yeah. Um, and even now, you know, if I'm having moments where I'm struggling with my my work or, or my thesis stuff, I think back to those people and what they said. And I'm like, actually, no, I, I'm going to do this. I'm going to show you that I can do it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Does that answer you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I just, um, I guess when I reflect on some of the, the parts of my life or journey that I sort of sailed on my own, I felt like I was on my yeah. own at the time. Um, I'm able to reflect now and think I actually did have people around me. Um, mm. And I knew that at the time too. I didn't listen to them because I felt like they weren't listening to me. Yeah. You know, like, and that's why I asked that question. I probably will ask that to every guest, you know, like on their road to success or through challenges. Um, I am a big, well, I'm a believer now. I'm an advocate for trying to, to be self-aware enough to reach out when you need to. Yeah. Because as, as you've explained quite a bit of that journey, you you went through it yourself because, you, you know, um, that's just how you, how you did it at the time. Um, and you've also mentioned that you've had, you had really good friends and just other people around you that were... Yeah, yeah. ...that were cheering you on. But I then th- there were also some people there going... <laughs> Yeah. Mate, yeah, you're yeah. dreaming. <laughs> wow, who do you think you are? <laughs> Let's be realistic. Um, yeah, I think I think it's, um, you know, I see the struggles in, with people around me that particularly with males, it's really difficult to talk about those things when when you're feeling those emotions or, or you haven't been taught how to articulate those emotions and, and um, yeah, you see it specifically with our our Maori males that they really struggle in that spaces and um I think mental health statistics speak for themselves that our Maori Maori males dominate so many areas of mental distress and and I think it comes down to those you know being being able to be self-aware and open with your emotions and find your support group and who you can talk to and navigate life with because I mean we're not built to be by ourselves no you know especially us as Māori, we're built to be community-based, and so we really I need to... But I think it also comes down to who you reach out to, eh? Because, yeah. I mean, you could find some of your mates and talk to them and say, man, I'm feeling really down today, and some of them be like, oh, go on out. Like, yeah, yeah. You know, <laughs> get on with your life. Um, and then there's Have others that'll be hey. like, oh, bro, me too. Like, yeah. you know, and so it's finding those people who work for you and, and able to meet your emotional needs as well, but can be super difficult um especially as a male trying to navigate that space and be vulnerable in those spaces is something that's yeah i could imagine would be extremely difficult i'm I'm at a point like even now like we're even in my own um social groups like we're we're only just learning how to articulate Mm. and like to be able to feel what we're feeling yeah and then to be okay to feel what you're feeling you know what i mean like you, you, you sort of nailed it on the head where, um, yeah, like I'm even just still learning mm. like what emotions and what do I do with that emotion. Yeah, um, that's why we should teach them in school. Yeah, yeah, well, 100%, <laughs> absolutely. You know, just normalise the process. Yeah. Everyone experiences them. Why, why is it that society has made it taboo almost to talk about it openly? Like, you know, I guarantee that, 70% of our population have had spurts of depression. 
Yeah. But how many people are aware of it around you? You know, not many. Yeah. Um, but why don't we normalize that? Why don't we start those conversations? Because the more normal they are, the less people we're going to see hurting themselves. The less people we're going to have end up in acute care in hospitals because they've got to that point where they you don't, didn't know how to reach out for help earlier. Yeah. I um I tell you this. Uh, I really, and it's only because we're talking about it, and I I think about it. Uh, I've reflected on it early on, on in my in my twenties as well. Like going from my my social group at Pukki High to um like my social group at Auckland Grammar. Yeah. Um, one thing, and, and again, it wasn't it wasn't like a light bulb moment that I thought at the time when I was eighteen, but I did observe, um, like I would. I would always think like, why are these guys talking about like, you know, like they were they would like at Auckland Grammar like they would talk openly a lot talk, talk a lot it. more openly about it. And, and I sort of um, talking to my girlfriend at the time like I'd say, man, they are they're always like talking about all these things, you know, like they're just bitching and moaning, you know, like yeah, yeah, and, when they're telling each other these things, so. You know, it's not until now where I've been like, 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 damn, they were advanced. Damn, they were they were ahead of time. Whereas, you know, like down here in my social group here, we would get on the piss, yeah. talk about the footy, the Warriors, the All Blacks, um, girls, and um, that was about it. You yeah. know, like it's just those those cultural and societal norms that define so much of who you become. Eh? Yeah, and yeah, those I noticed that too. Like. Um, you know, at Pukehai, you want to fit into this certain niche of, like, yeah, even even as a female, I think I felt um, more, you know, withdrawn in terms of being emotional in, t- in front of people. And um, when I went to eggs, you know, girls are crying at school and, you yeah. know, and you're like, what the heck, like, yeah. what is she doing? Like, if you're at Pukehai, you, you might get beaten up if you do that, yeah. <laughs> you know, like, or called a weirdo or... Um, but yeah, there's, it's just, you know, those environmental exposures can really define how you think about these types of things. And I think, you know, for you and I who have grown up in the society, it's often the stigma of harden up, yeah. you know, oh, get over it. You know, like that's just, that's just what's thrown out to you when you experience those types of emotions that are normal human emotions that everyone experiences. Yeah. Well, my, my, my old man, you know, like, um, um, Love him, love him to death, and, and you know I think I've mentioned it previously in, in podcasts. Like he was he was in the navy for twenty seven years, um, and he still to this day is not a very. Mm. I can't get anything emotional out of him, you know. Like like yeah, I'm I'm now trying to build a bridge, another level, another layer to our relationship. Yeah. Um, and it I've found it extremely hard, you know, particular, you know, like, and that's not that's not bad on him yeah yeah that's that's who he is and i've the first sort of year or so i got so frustrated because i'm like man i'm I'm, you know i've got this revelation that i want to share and i want to grow with you i want i want to hit this next level this next layer because i'm i I feel if we can connect on there you know like we're going to be cooking with gas sort of thing Um, and i've never really been able to get there um and like i said that's not not a, a ill of him I've got empathy for that. I understand. Yeah, that's just yeah. Not, so in terms of role modeling with that sort of stuff, I never had yeah. sort of a male role model that talked about those sorts of things. And Fitty actually said it in his body, you know, like <laughs> when he says, I love you to his uh, to his parents, they're like, oh, Fitty's drunk again, you know, sort yeah, of thing, you know? Yeah, yeah. So I, I don't know. That's that's something that I've... It's, yeah, it's just the, the spaces that they've grown up into. And, and like you say, like, 
I mean, there's also there's a there's a certain aspect of like, yeah, you are who you are, um, and you know whatever your personality is or your comfort is, you know, defines who you are as a person. But some people are safe in those spaces, and I think that's okay too. You know, yep. like I don't expect every male I talk to to be like, oh man, Sean, you know, like I want to cry, rah rah rah. Like that's not an expectation I place on them. I think some people definitely have comfort in those spaces of a little bit more security. Um, but what I always do try and encourage is if you do feel the need or if you do, you know, find yourself trying to navigate that space, then that's a time for you to, um, you know, reach out or, or just try not to be shy around reaching out. But yeah, yeah, like yeah. you said, some people are just like that and, and they feel okay with that and yeah. all good. Like I'm fine with that. If you're safe and you're happy within your world, then all good by me. But yeah, it's just those times where you start questioning, can I? You know, yep. am I allowed to experience this? Then those are the times where I'm like, oh, let's chat. Yep. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And I mean, um, I'll just share this one. I don't want to make the podcast all about me, but uh, but again, <laughs> I'm doing it anyway. I'll pull up the couch for you. <laughs> it's all right. No, but I, I was $200 just after the session, <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> and you offered to bring me a coffee. <laughs> Yeah, wow. <laughs> um, but it was around like uh, like I use parenting for example, like with Jade and I. Um, there is absolutely some things like early on in our relationship, I I used to like if I was pissed off at her, I'd you know go to bed and then go lie on the couch and I just wouldn't talk to her sort of thing. Yeah. Um, and that's what I would do. And, and I've had you know I've had two two girlfriends in my life, and the other one, I oh, man, I used to do that for like all night. And just because I couldn't talk, you know? Like, yeah, yeah. And um, so the reason why I share this is because I'm like, when I realized actually I wasted a whole lot of time being a dickhead, you know, <laughs> not saying anything and just saying, look, I'm, I don't know what this feeling is, but like, this is how I am. Yeah. Um, I could have saved, like, you know, could have saved weekends. <laughs> could have saved whole weeks of silent treatment. A whole treatments. lot of stress in yeah, the yeah, family. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I mean, like... Um, you have kids and that really sped up the process for me mentally because I was like, fuck up, you know, like the weekends. If I'm fighting with my missus the whole weekend, like, and then I go back to work. That's your time with your whanau. That's my time with my whanau gone. Yeah. Like, I've just wasted it because I I don't want to tell her that, you know. Yeah. Um, What, I've, what I'm feeling or what I'm saying. So I think it's, um, well, the reason why I shared that was because when I realized that I wanted to share it with everyone and, you know, I yeah. want everyone to be on the same level and then I... I had to pull myself back again and be like, hey, you know, like... Some people might not be ready for that or... 100%. Yeah. Or that's their only way of coping and so that's probably a safer way to do it than, you know, go drink all weekend. Yeah, or, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I think that's like... It's like an epiphany. Yeah, eh? yeah, and you yeah. want the world to experience it with you and you want to be helpful to other people who may experience those things too. I think that's like um, not necessarily a bad thing though. Yeah. <laughs> I just want to say like... Um, yeah, being able to take space sometimes is so necessary. But it, I think it, it's when you get caught in taking space and not knowing how to come back yeah. or getting stuck in, I'm so angry, I don't want to come back. It's about using that space as a, as a positive way for you to reflect on what's happened yeah. um, and know how to come back into that space. You yeah. know, like I think we, well, I, I used to do that too and I'd get yeah. so stubborn and not want to come back in and not want to make the first move because I'm angry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but now I've realised that, you know, space can be a good thing if you if you use it as a productive way to reflect instead yeah. of 
Nah, stuff you. I'm not talking to you for the rest oh, of the weekend. Man, you could talk to Jada and like, she could never do anything right. You know, like after the whole fight, you know, the next day I'll tell her, oh, you know, you never came out to the couch and got me. You just stayed in the room. You know, and I got, you know, I'm like, I just got more pissed off on the couch, blah, blah, blah. So the next fight we have, she does that. And I'm pushing her away, you know? Like, yeah. how confusing is that? That's fucking... I was like, come on, Sean. From you, a female perspective, <laughs> holy heck. <laughs> Firstly, poor Jade. Um, <laughs> yeah, it is... I think, like, I get it from your perspective too. It's like you're, ch- you're being challenged mentally and you're yeah. like, actually, no. Like, don't help me. This is my space, you know? But, yeah, um, yeah that sounds like a little you bit... Know, doomed a little if you bit doomed. of a headache. <laughs> I, I can confidently say that maybe that happens only maybe once or twice a week. Nah. <laughs> nah. Yeah, we're talking about red flags. <laughs> Jade, we might have to have a conversation Can't after Can't this. Sis, <laughs> we're going for a coffee. <laughs> uh, but, um, but, and that, that was one of the reasons for me personally, it was around getting behind the mic and just being able to share stories, like just normal stories because that's, you know, yeah. like... And when you do hit those people who relate or are in that space where they're like, actually, yeah, I want someone to speak to that I can yeah. about that because I've realized that too. I think you open up the door for, you know, a lot of people, but, you know, a lot of males to come forward with that and normalize that and um, start talking about that to, that to people that they're close to. Yeah. And that's a real long process, eh? Like, uh, well, oh, no. yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't. Well, it is because I mean, you get then you get someone to talk, and then like that can be a sacred place too, you know. Like, yeah, how do you manage that? Um, and I think obviously from your mahi and things like that, um, you would go through your own um, sort of processes, I guess, and and thinking and how you go about that, and that's that's the only way that you know AJ Colsey and I know how to do is is to share our stories because that you know we're, we're not professionals and we, we're not quite. We don't know exactly what we're doing yet, but we can't open people up and then let them to, oh, yeah, oh, thanks for opening up. And they go, eh, next. Yeah, yeah, you know, that's yeah, not fair yeah. either, eh? Like, yeah. So I think just, you know, even just being that platform to normalize these conversations is huge. It's huge. Like, you know, from our community in particular, there's not always the spaces to listen or, or, um, you know, feel that connection that we've talked about to to people within, you know, the podcast world. And so just providing that as a safe space for people to listen and reflect and be like, oh, it's nice to hear that, you know, yeah. that's an experience that I'm not alone in or, um, yeah, it's huge. It's yeah. just normalizing these conversations and experiences because they're so normal. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I was just looking at the time and I'm probably... <laughs> Talk way too much in this body, but um, and you didn't give me a coffee. Ain't <laughs> <laughs> like, getting your two hundred bucks now. Or dessert. <laughs> <laughs> um, but how are you? How are you for time at the moment? Oh yeah, I'm fine. Yeah, um, because I would I'm like enjoying this convo. Yeah, cool, cool. Because I feel I've probably undercut your your sort of career stuff a little bit. Um, if we you can want keep to, going. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I also feel like. I made a big deal about you being the, the first wahine on the potty. And we probably haven't gone through that lens yet. I was thinking about that too. Yeah. I was like, how do I touch on this perspective? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So I want to I wanna give that some um, some airtime too. I think it's really important, probably particularly f- 
both for our, our wahine, but also our tāne as well, our, our men. Um, so I guess where would you like to start with that? I mean, I, I in my head I'm thinking, do I ask her? So tell me the world about female and and, and <laughs> you know what the world looks like in a fem- from a female perspective, or um, should we jump into something like motherhood? Oh yeah, that's probably a better way to do it. Yeah. I don't know if I can speak for the world of females. <laughs> to be I feel like that's a bit daunting. I might get a lot of backlash from that. No. Nah. Um, yeah, maybe start with like maybe navigating life as a mother. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and and that's I think, a female type perspective, isn't it? Absolutely, absolutely. So, um, motherhood, and let's let's talk about that directly, um, and how sort of. The, what that means to you, and then maybe we go into, the, yeah, let's start with that first. Okay. So, so sort of motherhood. Do you want to throw me a question? Or? Um, well, I'm interested. You're cutting this out, eh? <laughs> <laughs> Well, I guess in terms of motherhood, I'm interested to get your perspective on the emotions that you feel as a, as a mother. Um, and, and Well, here, 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 here's a question, actually. Because um, I was plucking out of, you know, plucking at straws there. <laughs> but is is this whole hormonal thing a real thing? Because from, from my, you know, like, again, I've got to be watch what I say here because I'm going to get caned as well. But I'll, I'll, I'll hit him for you. <laughs> <laughs> the hormonal thing when we're pregnant and, and, and postpartum and things like that. Like, is that a real thing? It's a hundred percent a real thing. And like not not only speaking from my own personal feelings and experience, <laughs> but from a scientific perspective. <laughs> okay, um, we're bringing science into this now. Like, so okay. I've brought my research article <laughs> so you'd have a look at. Um, no, absolutely. I think. I mean, you only have to think. Well, hopefully, you only have to think as far as. Um, you know, like if you've if you've got something in your brain, a mental strain in your brain, and how much that can impact your own hormones. Well, think about the perspective of your body changing and developing right in front of you. You know, the not not only like the weight of having to carry something else, but your your nutrients and everything with inside you going into another human being and no longer yourself. Of course, everything's going to change for you, and um, you're going to be depleted, and you're going to experience that, these rushes of happiness, and then you know, like, oh my gosh, I'm an amazing woman. I'm doing so many things. Um, my body is amazing too. Oh my gosh, this is what my body is now. Like, yeah. I have gone from, I mean, you know, <laughs> from wherever you have started to yeah. this point of, I've gained so much weight. You know, society society's expectation of women to look good is now something I have to consider and um, yeah so you're constantly experiencing these high and lows and I think yeah if you just place yourself in that position of being aware of not only the the physical and the actual scientific things that are going on within a woman's body but how you can perceive those different things going on is you know it's pretty clear to see how it could go up and down and up and down and, and why you might one day be um, the best person in the world and the next you're the worst yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> um yeah, it's definitely a thing. Um, so are you when when you're uh, pregnant, um, are you studying at the moment? Like, what else is happening in your life as well? Uh, have you have you have you enrolled in studying? Gone back to uni yet? Or are you still working? Now? Ah, uh, no. 
Oh, when I yeah, yeah, when yeah. I was pregnant, yeah. I worked until the day before I gave birth. Holy heck! So everyone felt the wrath of Sean. <laughs> 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 oh. Yeah, so I literally I worked right up until um, I gave birth on Saturday, and I worked until the Friday before that. Text my boss on the Monday to say I wouldn't be in work because I've just given birth. Um, Oh, cheer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He was like, oh, I thought that might be the case. No worries. That was, a, <laughs> that was the conversation. Um, but yeah, so for me, I I yeah came back from traveling, um, got pregnant pretty quickly. And then, you know, I had to go back into work because obviously I was broke as after traveling. Um, getting a job, that's another thing. Like, you know, f- as, from a woman's perspective, once you fall pregnant, and you're trying to be employed, it's a really difficult space to navigate because um, I know there's this whole thing about equal employment opportunities, but when you walk into a place and you say, look, I'm going to have to leave in another seven months, you're not people aren't, you're not the ideal employee. People don't want you. Yeah, yeah. And so that's also added stress on top of everything that's going on and all the changes in your body is how am I going to provide? How am I going to, um, you know, gain employment over this time? And and how sustainable is that employment? And, and, you know, what path am I going on? So there's all these different things that you consider. Luckily for me, I'd already had a job prior. And so um, I built up a good reputation in that space to be able to get employed um, while pregnant. And I was pretty upfront and straight up with them to tell them that I was pregnant. Yeah. Um, but part of the deal was that I'd work all the way. So yeah. that's what I did. I worked all the way until I had baby. Um, and that was, yeah, you know, it's not very often you see um, a, a lady who's gone a pop <laughs> sitting in the courtroom trying to stand up, talk to the judge, <laughs> avoid the table while standing up, you know, like it's, um, yeah, def- definitely a, a interesting space to navigate, but something that, you know, women, women do all the time. Yeah. You have to figure out life around them. It's just realities of what you do when you carry. Yeah. Yeah. Did you ever think... Um like when I, when Jade was was pregnant, um, probably maybe not so much the first baby, like with Harlow, but obviously you know eighteen months later or seventeen months later, you know we're ready to pop out an, a, another one. Um, I was really amazed, and you know, again, please slap me if I'm putting too much of a male perspective on this, but I'm being honest. Like I, it gave me so much more appreciation for what my mum went you know and my nana went through in pregnancy i felt like man there was no what there was no um maternity leave yeah that sort of stuff yeah and and that that was normal yeah um yeah definitely like and how much did that frustrate you at the same time did that frustrate you at all um it did but i also i think no i think i was just more in awe you know like of how resilient our parents and grandparents were, um, and also to be in an operating or birthing in systems that weren't really, you know, your baby's going to come out alive, you know? Like, that was the reality of birthing for especially my nana's era, you know? Like, um, um, yeah, there were lots of incidents that occurred around birth, and it was really, you know, it was just one of the risks that you took, and, and now... You know, we don't have those same risks because we've got the developments and the medicines and all those to make sure that we have a safe, thankfully, um, yeah. safe delivery when we get there. But yeah, it just made me, even just carrying a baby and, and the whole birthing process really, um, yeah, it just it made me appreciate my mother and grandmother so much more and just 
my connection to them grew so much through that process and just being appreciative of what they'd put themselves and their bodies through to give me my life and you know yeah um yeah we definitely i definitely experienced that too i remember um and this is not the direct quote either but i remember um a quote and it went something like the older i get the smarter my parents get yeah it made me think i was like what what does that mean (laughs) and um that's actually a really cool quote. I've never heard that one before. Yeah, yeah, but. yeah. So, like, the older we get, the smarter, you know, my, my parents got. And I thought, wow, that really, really does hit with hit, hit with me. Because I, being younger, like I said, I had heaps of people in my corner. Um, and I always have. And, and I never shy away from that. And I put my hand up and said, man, I did not listen to lots of them. Because they weren't listening to me at the time. But, you know, I'm get a little bit older and I'm like, oh, yeah, gee. They were. <laughs> Man, they were patient. They, yeah, man, they were patient. <laughs> yeah. God damn it, they were right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to say it to them, though. Yeah. And they know, though, you know, like yeah. now that you reflect on it, you're probably so aware that they were like, oh, here we go again. You know, you, you probably do it with your own daughters. Like, I know what you're doing right now. but Yeah. And they'll reflect on it in 15 years and be like, oh, like I was being annoying. But also, he probably knew what I was doing, yeah. you know. Yeah. Um, as yeah. a as as a mother, do you have like um, what is what is important to you as a mother that you would like to imprint, or you know, Good how would question. you like your your baby? Um, what sort of world will she grow up in, and and what sort of person? I think one of the biggest things for me is you know learning from my own experiences and then being adaptable to change that for my baby and so a big thing for me was that identity thing um and having that sense of belonging from day dot and knowing where she comes from and and having the connection to her Māori tanga and her deal is is a massive deal for me um you know there was times where you know when I was about to give birth where I was considering whether I'd move to Australia and the determining factor for me was that she would grow up away from um, the spaces where she could learn who she is and and you know what she can contribute to this world as a Maori girl you know yeah. and, and what value she has she's going to lose that if we go over there so that was a massive thing to keep me here and, and a, a massive thing I want to instill in here is that being Maori is so valuable and it's such a strength and she possesses um, you know something inside her that can value so many people around her and so for me that's a massive deal um another thing is also just normalizing um and I think I'm probably heavily influenced by my own experiences but also what I you know what I do yeah um is instilling those that self-awareness and and that ability to be reflective and um being aware of other people's emotions and having emotional intelligence is massive for me because I think those are the foundations to to get you places, you know, yeah. like um, she can be book smart, she can not be book smart and to me that's not something that I necessarily place high value on. For me it's more about having those foundations to get her to where she wants to be, wherever that may be in life. Yeah. Um, yeah, like I, I would be proud of her if she decided one day that she wants to be a tradie for the rest of her life. If she has those foundations of what it means to be, you know, a, 
a good understanding and emotionally intelligent person, then whatever she does in life is going to make me proud. Yeah. 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 Um, my next, my next sort of question uh, is just floated out of my head, so I'm going to have to edit that bit out. But um, I did have a question on... Um, it has gone out of my head. What was it? It was... Um, I'm going to pull it back because it was a real good one. Oh, here we go. That's, that's where it is. See, I don't have to edit it out. <laughs> um, see, this is this is live. Well, not live, but this is unedited. <laughs> um, my next question is like... Um, Having a, a baby girl, um, do you fear for the world that she might grow up in? Like, um, probably the wrong way of asking it, but, but um, you know, um, what challenges is she going to face? Yeah, I think as, as I a, did. Um, but, yeah, I think, you know, you can you can fear a lot of those challenges or you can give her the tools to to challenge those challenges. And so I think my perspective has changed a lot in terms of, um, you know, I was worried about her being, you know, experiencing racial discrimination and all these stigmas that come with, um, you know, being a female and, you know, being of a minority culture. And, and my fears did definitely when I was about to have um, her were, more aligned with that but now I'm like actually um let's give her the tools to challenge those let's let's instill in her the values where she believes and sees those as beneficial and and she now has the opportunity to create a space within those areas that can challenge the existing dynamics and and for me it's exciting now like I'm like yeah I'm a girl mom and I'm gonna give her these foundations and and hopefully you know she she feels comfortable to challenge those things in her future yeah yeah that is awesome that's awesome because hopefully yeah (laughs) 100 percent. because you know i yeah i'd be a millionaire for every dollar that i had for people that go when i tell people oh yeah i've got three girls oh you better you better have a gun with you and you know what it actually it never has worried me it never has and and this is could be a complete oversight from me being a male because i've never had the challenge I've never faced the challenges that a female has had to going through high school, you know. Um, being a male and being a female, from what I understand, is just <laughs> can be two different social sort of yeah. constructs, I guess. You know, like. Yeah. Um, but I, I've never really doubted. I don't know. I, I've never been scared of the fact that my girls are going to be at high school altogether, um, because I have that belief. In, in our whānau group or in our whānau that they are going I'm going to hold that space I'm going to create a space where they feel comfortable where they can tell their father anything yeah. and he's not going to get pissed off he's not going to um, you know shut the door straight on them you know like I'm going to be as understanding as possible yeah I'm going to set some boundaries yeah, you yeah. know at some point yeah. I don't know what they are now yeah, at the moment Um but that's how I sort of navigate those sorts of feelings. I'm not scared of boyfriends and or girlfriends or you know, yeah, uh, or anything like that. Yeah. They are gonna, they are like, life is gonna be shit at sometimes, and we need, you know, I want to be there f- 
to so that they can fall back on you know yeah i think that's and that's like um a real interesting point like growing up as a girl as well there's there is always uh well not always but often um i've found that there's a barrier in speaking to males because they are so shut off to that yeah um and it definitely withdraws you from doing that and so yeah i think you create that space for for your daughters um how you want them to navigate that world like you know i think it's such a privilege to be a parent and have that influence on another person or to be able to you know you know we've experienced these challenges and i'm sure they'll continue to experience different challenges but if we can adapt our challenges to benefit this other little human like what a privilege what a privileged place we are in to try and support that growth or you know help them face those challenges or and it can be so confusing sometimes it's like um like if I'm growling them, you know, and then I go away and then I realize, man, I was being a dick. Like, do I go back and say sorry? And, you know, like, and I, I always do. Yeah, yeah. You know, whereas we're like, my mom and dad never came back and said sorry to me, you know, because <laughs> yeah. cause then you think, oh, if I, if I say sorry to them, are they going to, am I setting a precedence? Like, yeah. But, but, but when I go back and say sorry, because a lot of the time it's because of me. I, I haven't given them the time to be upset, you know, like I'm expecting them, you know, to articulate how they're feeling and I can't even, like, I'm yeah. 30, you know, I'm 33 <laughs> and I still can't do that properly yeah. on the spot, you know, how unfair is that? So that's what giving them space, even at this age, looks like for me. Yeah, and I, that's so important, I think, like um, the ability for us to model that um, we can be wrong, yeah. you know, and, and sorry, you know, it's like sometimes I think, sorry is such a, like a throwaway word, but... It's the, um, what what goes on behind that is for you to be open to being wrong or, or to making a mistake and modeling that to them, that that's okay to talk about and um, not to be shy to do that or, or to give them the space to then, you know, experience their wrongs or their mistakes and then openly acknowledge them or reflect on those and be able to acknowledge them as well. Yeah, um, yeah. Um, so any help on that? <laughs> no, no, no. We need another five sessions. <laughs> the going rate's increasing. <laughs> we got a big job here. I've noted in my notebook. This is a big job, this one. <laughs> um, no, the, I, I guess, um, again, I, I think we've probably been able to, um, haven't been able to, let me, I think I've undercooked, you know, like a few subjects that um, a lot of information. You're someone I feel that um, is going to be engaging for our audience and would love to sort of have you back again. I'm conscious of time um, and I've probably taken up half of that. <laughs> like <laughs> I said, 200 bucks. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, it's been... First one's free, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Not around here, mate. Hey, no. <laughs> hey, what about the mates rates? No mates hey. rates around here. <laughs> um... But I, th- I think we might sort of um, just round off there. But um, firstly, wanted to thank you for for your time again, um, and I hope you've enjoyed it and and enjoyed it enough that uh, when we flick out the invitation again, that you know um, that that we might or or feel welcome if there's you know anything specific that we can dive deeper into. More more than happy to to have you back on. Yes. Tomorrow. Same. Nah. Yeah. <laughs> nah. Um, but I guess I'll give you I'll leave give you an opportunity maybe to to have a parting shot um, around sharing you know what we've spoken about today or even just if it sparked you um, 
thought in Fakaru and your head, um, a message that you'd like to share with with our audience, our listeners, from what we've spoken about, or sort of how you're feeling at the moment. Say, um, oof. Pressure's on. Jeez. It's another $50. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, yeah, well, first bag of, of all, thanks for having me. <laughs> bag of spuds. That's what we do here. In well, those are pretty valuable around here at the moment. <laughs> um, no, yeah, it's, it's been really cool to come on here and have these conversations and um, yeah, thanks for this opportunity. I think it's, um, you know, I, I ummed and art about coming on here. Just um, one, because I was really conscious of, of being a female voice in a space where, you know, um, is a really cool space for males. And I didn't want to um, block that or, or be a barrier to that, that engagement that you've currently set up for yourselves. Um so thank you for having me and letting me speak this, and I hope I um, haven't. Bu- Three hundred bucks. Yeah. <laughs> well, the tables are turning. <laughs> That's my line. Um, nah. Yeah, I hope I haven't, you know, bored people too much, or, or hopefully there has been, you know, a little bit of insight that people can grab onto and, and maybe find valuable. If not, um, yeah, talk to Sean. Um, I think. A couple of really cool things that stood out for me in our corridor today were the importance of um, finding who you are. And I, I don't mean that as in, you know, like, you know, culture for me is a big thing of, of who I am and finding that. But just finding out who you are and where you belong and being safe in those spaces is such a crucial point to leveraging you throughout the rest of your life and um take take the time and make this space for you to figure those things out you know like it sometimes it's confronting sometimes it's daunting but I think it's really really beneficial for us as humans to to understand who we are and where we belong and and how that can benefit us in our lives so that's probably the the massive thing that I've been reflecting on during this corridor um there was another thing too how awesome Sean is Nah, that wasn't it. <laughs> nah, I don't, I don't recall that how, memory. How bloody uh, awesome <laughs> oh, Sean is at hosting. When, when I say I can't read minds, I've been hearing this whisper <laughs> coming out the side of my ear the whole time. <laughs> Trying to throw some subtle hints out there. Um, nah, oh, that was the other thing. Just, yeah, I, for you, now I'm going to sound like an egg after you've just said yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> I do really want to um, commend you for opening this space up for for my for males in particular, and um, like we were talking about before, normalising these thought processes and these experiences, and um, you know whether you want to reflect on them or you don't, you're, you're allowing that space for it to be normal, and I think that's huge for our community and um, for particularly our our Maori males. It, it's um, you know it's really it's really exciting to see that these are spaces that are becoming normalized and, and for you to have this platform for other people to normalize it as well was um, awesome. Yeah. Appreciate that. Appreciate You're that. Um, yeah, 300 bucks will be good. Too, <laughs> <laughs> uh, like I said, um, it's been awesome having you on board and um, I'm looking forward to um, the next steps in your, in your journey. Um, what are the next steps? Um, for me, I've got another <laughs> three and a bit more years at university, so um, I'll come out at the other end as a, a doctor of clinical psychology, um, and my big goals are to utilise that to, to benefit our people in some way, um, 
and, and I think I think I'll, my pathway will be largely determined by where the need is at that time. So, yeah. you know, I see justice areas and um, acute mental health where we often see our Māori who, who don't reach out early enough and end up in these positions where they're in hospital. And um, I think that's where I want to be at when I graduate. Um, but, yeah, I'm definitely open and flexible to that happening and... Um, so all is, I'm hearing there, Fana, is um, if you've got um, sponsorship for <laughs> for Sean, another three years of study, oh. Uh, yeah, so if you feel sorry for me, yeah, <laughs> um, yeah man, it's, I'm going to be broke for a while. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, just watching my baby grow up, um, probably, yeah, the, of definitely the most dominant area of my life and, and my most proudest achievement is, is being a mother, so... Um, Watching how she flourishes and grows up in her in her little world is something that I'm really excited to see. Yeah, and we haven't even touched on that juggling act. Um, <laughs> yeah, you yeah. Know? it's which, a whole other story. That's a whole is, podcast. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> which is so relevant. So I think we might leave it at that. But um, again, thank you very much um, for your time, and um, I'm absolutely one hundred thousand fifty million percent sure. That um, you're going to be the smartest person that we have on this podcast. <laughs> uh, the way that you've just spoken, Santa um, fatigue. <laughs> uh, the way that you've spoken, you've come from um, Rimmerera Road, I think. <laughs> nah, we're, we're um, you're an awesome person, um, and I can confidently say that um, from one other person's perspective, which is your mum's. Nah. <laughs> Um, no, no, let's wrap really it up. Let's backhanding <laughs> these compliments. Eh? <laughs> wrap it up, Sean. Just wrap it up. No, come. Thank oh. you. Thank you. Kaki did.